Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm really excited to be here and being able to actually teach and share some of my infinite wisdom that I believe that I have. Those of you who've heard me before know that I generally like to keep it really spiritual and I like to teach about angels and labyrinths, vibrating rocks. We haven't done that yet, but it's coming. Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) I haven't come across that yet, so uh, you guys are lucky, but I'm looking. Anyway, before I get going and before I share how much I've been impacted by these books, The Four Agreements, and by by some of the things this author shared, I'd like to pray. So if you'd all just bow your heads with me, and we'll just take a minute to get in the presence of the Lord and to go on this wonderful, continuous journey that we have called life. Lord, I just thank you for the ability that you've given me to speak and to teach and the passion. And I just thank you, Lord, that there are people out there that listen and hear. And Lord, I just ask right now that my words would be life and speak life into somebody that really needs to hear it. And that they would take from today something that they can put forth into their own lives. Do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I haven't been teaching for a little while, and I've been practicing a lot, so <clears throat> I'm ready to go. Anyway, before I get into the Word, before I get into what these books have done to impact my life, I want to share just a little bit about how I got here and how I came across the Four Agreements and Seeking Change. And it started about four, I'd say four or five years ago. Many of you know we had a toy store. It was great for a little while, then it wasn't so great. I thought this was a path I was supposed to be walking, being a business owner and basically running my own life. Not having anyone else tell me what to do. Except you can be worse at telling your own self what to do, you know. (laughs) Harder on yourself with things. But I still enjoyed it. And I thought that for sure this was something that God had for me to do. Especially since I was encouraged by George, you know, because I didn't like working at the bank. But I did, because I did it. But there was more to my life. So when that fell through, I had a hard time with it. My self-esteem started to break down. And I went through all the processes of loss that you go through when you lose something dear to you. Because it doesn't always have to be about a person. When you lose a person, you can still go through this grieving process, especially when you lose something that's very dear to you. And that can be a job, that can be a business, can be a pet. You know, there's many, many things. So I went through that. And in that process, I began to feel really negatively about myself and start speaking negative things. Wow, this isn't what you wanted to do anyway. You always wanted to be a writer and you couldn't even do that. You were supposed to be living in Hollywood now, mingling with all the big wigs, making $10 million, people seeing your stories on screen and being like, wow, that chick is awesome. And my life didn't really pan out that way. So I began going back to that. How did I not do that? How did I not follow what I thought was my path? And then, of course, the, the toy store not working out the way that we planned it, made it even worse. So I began this little awakening journey that hit about that time too. And I thought, 
well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, I don't want to work for somebody else, but I don't want to stay home and be bored and not do anything and feel like I'm contributing to the world. You know, I wanted to bring life to people. I knew I loved to teach. I knew I loved to write. I've always been a really imaginative person. Loved telling stories even as a kid when I was little. So I came across these books. Well, the first one, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I believe that's how you say it. Hopefully I didn't butcher it. And I began reading them, and all these little fireworks began going off in my mind. And I thought, that's what I'm doing wrong, is I'm speaking negatively to myself. I'm taking in what people are telling me, whether they're telling me negatively or not. And I'm internalizing it and creating this world that I don't like. And so I started walking in these and found that it didn't matter where I was working. It didn't matter what I was doing. It just mattered that I felt good about myself. And I felt good about myself because of the words I began speaking in my self-talk and beliefs that I had that other people had told me before that I changed agreements on. That I decided, you know what, I don't like that. What that person told me. I'm going to find something different and take that belief in and start rebuilding myself. Getting to know myself again. And that's what we're going to do today. So the first agreement that came through was be impeccable with your word. Impeccable with your word. And at first I didn't quite get it. And I thought, well, okay, whatever he says. But the more I got into it, the more I realized words are powerful. The title of my message is Creative Power Within You. The Creative Power is Words. So before I get further into that, I do want to do a little exercise that I'd like you all to participate in. I promise you it's nothing weird. There will be no vibrating rocks today, as I said. (laughs) So if you would all just close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, And I'm going to speak a word to you. And when I speak this word, and I'll repeat it a couple of times so that you can hear it and get it in your mind. I'd like you to imagine or describe to yourself or think of this word. Whichever way that your mind processes. Is everybody ready? The word is tree. Tree. Does everybody have something visualized? Okay, so open your eyes. I'm going to ask a few questions. Raise your hand if any of these are you. So, when I said the word tree, how many of you saw a palm tree? How many of you saw an oak tree? Ooh, I got some hands. Yes! First service, I had none. I was like, oh, man, it didn't work. So how many of you saw an evergreen? Nice. There's a lot of evergreens in here. 
How many of you saw any other kind of tree that had nothing to do with what I said? And that's cool, too. I don't know all the tree species, so I just listed some trees that have some meaning to me. The reason I did that exercise is to show you that when a word is spoken, especially something simple, even like tree, everybody can conjure up a different image. And some of those images come based on the emotion you might feel at the sound of the word, the feelings you might have with it, a memory, maybe, that the word evokes, a thought or feeling, to show you that our words are attached to our feelings. And so, for me, when I was coming up with this, palm tree was what came to my mind. Because for me, I always have really good thoughts about palm trees. They make me feel happy. They make me feel relaxed and peaceful. I grew up around palm trees. A lot of really good vacations that I've had usually included a palm tree. So those always gave me great and happy memories. Evergreens, however, when I think of those, or somebody says evergreen or something, I have sad memories and sad feelings that go along with that because there's a lot of evergreens in cemeteries. And most times, whenever I really paid attention to a tree that was around when I was feeling sad, it was when I was there. Burying a parent, family member. So the point is that our words are powerful. And because we have emotion that's attached to them, they can cause us to think or believe or feel something about ourselves based on whatever that word is that's spoken. So words reproduce an image. Another quick Example I have, the Godfather. (laughs) Beryl laughs. How many of you instantly thought of the movie? You dated yourselves. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, so two words. But because of feelings, emotions that are attached to the words, some kind of emotion the feeling might have had with you, on it, a scene you may have liked that impacted you, something those words incited. And somebody might have thought of Godfather as a secondary parent that somebody asks to help them raise a child and maybe would have not even thought of the movie because Godfather has a special meaning, emotion, intention for them, especially if they're one. So words have power. And they're more than just something we say to describe, focus on, speak. The word is a force. It is a power that is used to create, express, and communicate. A force. It's action. Express. Express usually entails emotion behind it. And usually with your emotion comes an intention. And an intention is an energy. Which brings the force. So if your intention is to have somebody feel happy with the words you're speaking, then the words that you speak are going to be words that incite happiness and feelings of goodness and feelings of, you know, whatever is positive. And communicating is speaking it out into the the atmosphere. So when you're communicating 
and you're speaking it out into the atmosphere, you're actually creating because the words that you speak get taken in by other people. And they attach their own agreements to it and agree with it or don't agree with it. So I had the pleasure of going and hearing the author of The Four Agreements speak, Miguel Ruiz. And one of the things that he said really stuck out to me. And it really wasn't in any of the books. It was just something he was sharing that was part of his testimony, part of his speaking, was that you are only responsible to the end of your fingertips. With your words, with your actions, with the things that you do, you are not responsible for how somebody takes in a word, agrees with a word, responds to a word. But you're responsible for what you speak and what you create in the world around you. So as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, I've learned a lot from these books, but how do I tie it into the Bible? Because everybody knows if you find something outside the Bible, it's from Satan. If you cannot tie it in, then obviously you shouldn't be learning it, which I think is a load of, you know. But that's me. And that's my own ism. So I did. I thought, well, how can I put this to the Bible? When I was putting this teaching together, I thought, okay, I want to bring some relevance. I want to make it stick. And so I went into the Bible and turned it to the first few pages, and there it was. Genesis. Huge and flashing. And I thought, oh, do I really want to do Genesis again? We do Genesis a lot. But I had to see where creation, how can I put that together? Because it creates, the word creates. So I saw a pattern when I went in there, you know, chapter one, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just go through some of the patterns to show you how word is creative and it's powerful. And it started with our divine creator. So verse one, in the beginning, God created, blah, blah, blah. Verse three says, God said, let there be light. Said. It's an action of speaking. Verse 5, God said, God called the light day and the darkness night. Again, called. And something was created. And then verse 6, you have God said. Again, said. So he's speaking the whole time. The Bible starts with words speaking creation. And when I imagine it happening, I imagine it more like a canvas being painted on. And each and every word and letter that goes out is painting. Whatever word he spoke with the intention behind it. And the intention behind it was create, make. And it is good, he said. Which means his intention was for it to be good. So that intention is good. Let there be light. It is good. I often wondered why the Bible didn't just say, let there be, you know, why didn't it say God said, let there be bright particles floating in the air and whatever because you know let there be light is kind of boring but then I thought about it and I thought well light is a word and since God is responsible only for the end of his fingertips he left it to us to interpret it in the way that we feel so I thought hey there we go so there you have it 
Creation, word, power. So I'll tell you again. The word is a force. It's a power that is used to create, express, and communicate. Well, there you have. God spoke the force with his intention, expressing it, communicated it out, and it happened. And so he created this reality that we know right now. And the reality that I'm talking about is when you walk outside and you see the plants and you see the trees and the sky, the pictures of the planets and the stars, that's the reality God created. He left the rest to us. Which means we can create our own realities within that reality by the words that we speak. And that's why the Bible... By the way, I heard a song a long time ago, and they made an acronym out of it, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. So basically, it's a manual telling you, here's some things you can do to make your reality better. And I'm glad that it's done the way that it is and leaves room for interpretation because I am horrible with directions. Can't follow them for nothing. Read them, don't understand them, and it doesn't matter what language it's in. English, Spanish, German, it's all the same to me. I don't understand how they word it, and I don't do it. That's why we have husbands. Anyways, (laughs) creation was spoken into existence. And we can create our own reality with our words. We have the choice to make agreements with the words that we hear to create the reality that we have around us. And we can make it a beautiful, wonderful world, or we can make it a horrible, sad world based on the words we speak. So just as easily as this could have been titled Creative Power in You, it could be titled Destructive Power in You. And we're warned in our basic instruction manual. To be careful how you use the words that have the power to create. Because what you speak, you create. Because you're responsible for what you speak. And what you take in. And others will hear it too. So when I began to awake to this and realize this, I thought, hmm, where in my life have I done that? To be feeling so down about myself now. Instead of finding... You know, positive things, all the neat people I met, all the cool things that I learned having a business, all the free time I had to actually finish a book that I wrote and finally stepped into something I felt was a purpose that I wanted to do. And that was back when I was in third grade, I went to a conference with my mom. And, you know, when we speak words to people, we don't realize sometimes the impact that they will take in with it and how they'll internalize it and speak it to themselves over and over and over. And it changes and it manifests into something different over time because you begin taking in other agreements of other things that people say and you add it to that agreement. You know what I mean? You add it to that word to where it gets ingrained deeply in you and God's going, hmm, I don't know if I had that in there for them, but okay. If that's what you want to walk in, I gave you the power to do that. So, And so I did. I'm in the third grade. I'm going to the conference. Because my parents like to take us to our conferences. 
I don't know why. But as a parent, I decided that I was going to be merciful to my children and not make them go to their parent-teacher conferences with me. Say thank you. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. So we're going in the room. We're at the table. And you know the teacher's sitting in her chair or his chair, the big chair. And there's two little chairs on the other side of the table. And you're a kid, so you fit in your little chair. But your parent doesn't. And they're sitting in that little tiny chair. Some of them knees to their chest, you know. Six foot five. You know, big. I think teachers do that on purpose. To kind of get back at parents a little bit for like, I have to deal with your kid eight hours a day. Five days a week. This is my one time. So we're sitting there. And... The teacher brings out the two folders, you know, the good and the bad folder, all the stuff you do good, all the stuff you do not so good. So we learn judgments even then. We learn to take in words even then as a judgment. And we internalize it and we speak it to ourselves and there goes the word. So that's what I did. The teacher's showing all the cool stuff, all the stuff I'm good at. Drawing butterflies, all my creative stories that I do. You know, when they start your storytelling then in third grade, write a Halloween story, write a Christmas story, and they give you a couple of things to go with. I always excelled at that because that's what I love to do. Then there was the bad folder. F's on the math test. I'm not good in math. I never was good in math. Hated math. Math was not my thing even when I was five. And I work in a bank. Talk about not walking in a purpose. That I wanted to be in because, hello, creative writer, bink. I'm so happy that there's computers now because all I have to do is plug in numbers and it does it for me. So I don't even have to think. So we really don't need math in school unless you're going to work for NASA. And then they should have special programs for that. <clears throat> so anyway, math, eh. But then my teacher came to the spelling test. And that's where a little bit of shame started coming in because I couldn't spell. And no matter how my teacher tried, no matter how my parents yelled at me at home, I could never spell. I barely knew the sight words. How do you be a writer that doesn't know how to spell? So I'm listening to my teacher talk to my mom, and my mom's talking to my teacher, and my teacher says, don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about those words because they'll hamper her creativity. If you focus so much on that, you're going to cut off her creativity. That's what I heard. When my mom and I were talking later about what I wanted to be when I grew up and all this stuff, and I was older, she told me about that. And I said, well, my teacher told me that I shouldn't work on spelling. And she said, where did you get that from? Well, because it will stop my creativity. She said, that's not what she said. She said, don't focus too much on the spelling words with her right now. She has many years of school left to go. They'll work on that with her. If you focus on it too much now, you're going to frustrate her. And if you frustrate her, she'll stop trying to be creative. And your daughter has a gift in that. But I still had already internalized it as, well, it's going to mess up my creativity. But as I went through high school and things, my English teachers because I would take four English classes. I was one of those kids where they were like, you have how many English classes? And I'm like, you have how many math functions? I just did what I (laughs) had to. Algebra 2, baby, and I was done. Because that's all I needed. 
But the spelling, I begin to feel self-conscious about it. And I begin to doubt my creativity. creativity. And then as I took in more things, I thought, well, maybe I wasn't meant to be a writer anyway. Which led me to where I was as a toy store. So I internalized the words that the teacher spoke. And she was just trying to communicate to my mom where to help me and how to. But I still took in that. And it, it shaped some of my life. It shaped what I decided to go to school for. It shaped what I decided to, you know, believe in myself. It shaped my self-esteem. Because I'd have friends go, you can't spell receipt. I can now. R-E-C-E-I-P-T. I used to spell R-E-C-E-E-T. Receipt. Phonetically. And I felt stupid when my friends would be like, and I thought, see, I can't be a writer if I can't spell, if I don't know how to use the word. So it hampered my creativity anyway, in another direction, by me internalizing it and not being impeccable with my word. There we go. We're too impeccable word. So that first agreement, being impeccable with your word. We all know what a word is now. We know that it has power. We know that it can create, describe, sing. It's an action. But impeccable. Impeccable is perfect. Without blemish, without spot. I don't know about you, but impeccable is a pretty hard word to live up to for me. I, I really can't. Because I wasn't created to be perfect. I was created to be the masterpiece in which God wants me to be by creating my own reality that he gave me the power to do by the words that I speak. And if we're in his image and like him, and he speaks when he, he creates when he speaks, then so can we. Right? So, I found a different meaning for it. Do the four agreements. And that meaning made so much more sense. And it even went along with other self-help people that always talking about think positive, stay positive, be positive. But if you don't agree with the word that you speak about yourself in a positive way, it doesn't matter how many self-help books you read or how many scriptures you recite to yourself in the Bible. Because if you're not being impeccable with your word to yourself, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what somebody else tries to say to encourage you either. I love that story. That was a great story you wrote. I learned this, I got this, I got that. When's the second one coming out? (laughs) You know? So here's the definition. Being impeccable with your word is not using your word against yourself. It means to refrain from expressing criticisms, judgments, or finding faults with yourself. It means being compassionate in your thinking towards yourself and others. It means striving to speak with an intent of truth in who you are. Not in the truth of promises that you're making or trying to speak to cover up something. A truth in who you are. It means speaking and walking in authentic you. An authentic you is a wonderful, marvelous, glorious creation who is the image of our divine creator. Anything less than that is not impeccable. 
And that means I'm talking about the negative self-talk that we have. Well, Jeanette, you can't spell. So I guess you're kind of dumb. Plus, you don't know math. So that takes you out of genius. (laughs) You know? These are the things that I begin from one simple sentence that a teacher had good intentions with, but that I took it wrong. And then my mom tried to tell me, and I thought, uh, my mom has to say that because she loves me and she, like, had me. And so, you know, she's not going to tell me something mean when I'm feeling down. And that's even a person that I trusted. Imagine the things we take in from people we don't trust because they hurt our feelings and because those words have intentions. So, like a tree can conjure up different images and stuff, and like the word Godfather and whatever, impeccable has now, for me, when I hear it, I don't think perfect. And if I use the word impeccable in something that I'm describing, it's because I'm trying to describe a feeling of somebody. So impeccable to me now means not speaking negatively about myself. To break it down to simplest terms, being impeccable with your word is just don't be mean to yourself. Don't say words that are hurtful to yourself. Because that manifests in you and it goes out into other people too. With the intention. So I have a slide that I want to share Quickly here, and then move on. Those are impeccable words. You was kind, you was smart, you was important. I'm ready to go live down south if I ever get sent. Part of that is self-talk. We learn self-talk as children from the adults around us. And most of our parents' intentions when they give us self-talk is good. Because they want us to feel good about ourselves and things. But... We can still make our own agreements as a child. Like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you did not run in church. Mm-mm. We got the look from my mom that was like, if there were lasers, I would not be standing here in front of you today. So in my mind, I made an agreement with, don't run in the church. That's God's house. You have to have respect. It's bad to run in God's house. Okay, so I took that in. And for a long time, it would just annoy the heck out of me, you know? When I'd see other kids doing that, and I'd grab my little, get over here, you don't run. But then I thought, wait a minute. And I didn't even know this impeccable word part at that point. I just one day was like, they're kids. And, and wait, wait, Jesus said, be like a little kid. And I am sure whenever Jesus was trying to give a sermon or something, that there were always little kids. Running everywhere. Yet he says, be like the kids. I think that encompasses everything. 
Now, that's not to say you don't train your children certain things for their own safety, for the safety of others around them. Like you don't want them running around in a restaurant because there's waiters and waitresses and things walking around and stuff. And if they come across, they could, food could be somewhere. You know, plates or something can land on somebody. Someone can get hurt. There's lawsuits. There's lawyers. The business is closed down. <laughs> I told you I'm imaginative. <laughs> or you could just say, hey, I know you love to run. We'll do some of that afterwards. But right now we're going to eat. And so that the waiters and waitresses can do their job, I want you to sit here and I want you to play your little game and I want you to do this and I want you to eat. You didn't tell them it was bad to run. You didn't tell them it was good to run. Your word just said, hey, we're going to respect others and we're going to sit and eat and then we'll go run. That's part of impeccable word. That's part of creating the world and environment around you when you speak that. We all have the free will to choose that. We all have the free will to make and create our own reality. And I know that's hard for some people to hear because it was for me. I grew up in Catholic and I always grew up with God willing. God willing. God willing, I'll get that car. God willing, I'll get this. God willing, I'll get that. Blah, blah, blah. All the time, God willing. And I figured they got it from Jeremiah 29.11. When God says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not bring you harm. But I thought, yeah, but if you're waiting for God to give you a car, and you don't get the car, doesn't that harm? Because then you feel sad because you didn't get the car. And I'm thinking, but if God said we're like him, we'll create. It's a whole vicious cycle that we can just get confused and put ourselves in a box and bondage in. So I started getting really irritated when I would hear people say, God willing. Because those words to me meant that God was forcing his hand on my life and that I had to follow what that was. And that just didn't seem right. If I have words, it can create. So I began to think of it as, especially after I read the book and started understanding my own self-talk as, okay, so God has plans for us. To be prosper. Well, I don't think it's just finances that that word prosper is. I changed it. I changed the meaning of the word prosper to create a different reality for myself with that scripture. Basic instructions. And I don't follow them very well anyway. I make up my own. Prosper. What's the way you prosper? By speaking good things about yourself. By being happy. By beginning to love who you are and who you were created to be and walking in that. By being able to change your mind and by being able to change the decision that you made about something that wasn't quite going the way you wanted to anyway. When you do that, you don't have harm. You're prospering because, oh, she got it. God's like, finally. If only all my other people would be as creative with their words. So prosperous now for me is walking in something I love to do. I love to teach. I love to write. Yeah, I'm still at the bank, but I can use my words to bring someone else's reality responsible for that. 
So if I have a customer that comes in and, and they want to tell me their life story, there's a reason. I'm going to listen. If I feel that God's giving me an impeccable word, then I'll do it. Or I'll just say, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing with me. Maybe I'm there at the bank, not so much for the math, but to learn how to bring lessons into some of the teaching that God has for me to give. And learn to be more impeccable. So now I see it as, let no word proceed from your mouth that is spoken, I'm sorry, let no word proceed from your mouth that is not spoken with impeccable intent. My intention should always be impeccable. With each word, express intent of love and honor towards yourself so that you may love and honor others. A couple of weeks ago, Julie had a great message. She's really blessed me with some of the things that she's spoken because it went right along the line with some of what I was awakening to. I'm going, oh, man, got it. You know that one commandment, love others as you, as yourself? She changed the meaning of the word as. The intention of as. Not as. But as they were you. So if you are being impeccable with your word to yourself, then you're being impeccable with your word to everybody else because you're loving them as yourself. So if your self-talk is negative and bringing down, guess what you're going to vocalize and create in the realities around you? And then they're going to take it in and they're going to agree with it or not agree with it or whatever and it's going to start shaping their reality because their self-talk is going to become... If I know how to spell, I can't create stories. Our words are powerful. And when you use your word against somebody else, it hurts you. So you're not being impeccable. In gossip, you go and you gossip about somebody, say something they find out. That's not being impeccable. And it doesn't matter what you're saying. What it's creating is the person that finds out is not going to like you very much. They're going to have evil intentions toward you, which in turn hurts yourself. Because now you've just caused somebody by the words that you spoke that were not impeccable to not have good thoughts or intentions toward you. And I had to learn this because I'm one of those ones that I use it as venting. Can I vent to you a minute about so-and-so because, oh, my gosh, she just blah, 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 And then so-and-so finds out and so-and-so comes over and so-and-so says, hey, you said this about me. And depending on my mood and what I'm in, you know, I'll either go, oh, my gosh, really? No, I would never say that. She got it wrong, which, again, is not impeccable because I just, now I just, didn't take it, you know, didn't take responsibility for what I said. And I just got somebody else in the mix of it who I've turned impeccable against. Or I can say, yeah, I said that. I was mad and I still believe it. And we get in an argument and whatever happens and a friendship is over. Is that impeccable? That's how we deliver it. It's the intention behind it. When you can just as easily go to that person and say, hey, can I talk to you? I'd like to take you to lunch. 
the other day this happened, blah, 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 blah. I think you're a great friend and everything, but I didn't agree with this. I felt this way. That's impeccable. You can still be truthful and impeccable. It's your intention. So arguments and confrontations don't always have to be creating a reality of destruction. You can actually use it to create life and love and empower that person. And sometimes that's hard to believe because we think, well, our words, who am I? I'm just little old Jeanette in Pueblo. I can't change the world. Yeah, I can write this. You know, you start getting a little, I don't know, you know, fidget, whatever. Do I really have that power? Let's talk about that power and one person using it. And how it can change the world in history and how one person's impeccable belief nearly destroyed nations. Adolf Hitler, right? He had a belief that there was only a certain kind of perfection. And he set out, speaking his words. And anybody that heard him and agreed with him got right on the bandwagon. To the result of a world war, to the result of almost destroying an entire generation of people. All because of the words he spoke. One person with a faulty belief system spoke words that changed the reality of an entire world. It made it his reality because people agreed with it. So you can pull people into your reality with your words. You really can. Now let's talk about a better one. Abraham Lincoln. Again, you have a man who has a belief system, speaks his words, believes in what our declaration and our constitution says, all men are created equal. Nobody, I know I think I came across a speech that he'd had and he'd said something about no one should have a master or something like that. His words. And all the people that agreed with that caused a war or was part of a war that shaped our country and ended it abolishing that. Words. That reality is the reality we have now. And whether we agree with it or don't agree with it, we can shape it. You know? We can believe you are smart, you are kind, you are important. Or we can choose not to. We're only responsible to the end of our fingertips. We're responsible for the person in the mirror. Like Michael Jackson said. I'm looking at the man in the mirror, or woman. I'm making the changes to start with me. And when they start with me, and I start using impeccable words on myself, they naturally start flowing out. So now I've become a person that used to, instead of seeing the glass half full all the time, I mean half empty all the time, I moved to half full. But then I was like, wait, life, you don't just get to a place in life and just stay there. And the glass is supposed to represent life. So people drink from the glass, right? So it's always fluctuating. So now I look at it as there's the glass and it's ready to be filled. Amen. So I look at the glass ready to be filled. 
which can sometimes irritate people because I'm almost too positive sometimes now. Oh, what? You broke your toe and you can't walk? Ah, that's okay. There's a lot of good shows on Netflix. Just put your foot up and watch a few. Take a few days off. Maybe that's what you needed. Who cares if you can't balance? They have crutches. Right? (laughs) That's how I see it. And now I have some practical advice for you. Because I know sometimes we hear things, we read things, even myself. And I'm like, how do I do that? How do I now take what I'm learning in my mind and put it out into the world? How do I begin to use my words as powerful and creative? Jeanette, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. The first thing you really want to do is recognize the negative self-talk. Because your negative self-talk has criticisms and judgments and old belief agreements attached to it. So if you have a self-talk that says, I'm not good at anything, that's the reality you're going to create. And that doesn't really go with um, plans to prosper and the meaning of the word prosper now. Plans to harm you because that's harmful. So you're, you're now not being impeccable because you're harming yourself in that. And, and there's ways that you can start doing that once you, once you identify something. And it's not something that happens immediately. It's taken a while for me. And I'm still working on it because I still have days where I wake up and I'm like, oh. I still have days where I wake up and I look in the mirror and the pillows have won. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my hair. But I still go, that hair day, but you are smart. You are kind. You are important. And it doesn't matter what your hair looks like at the bank today because all the people care about is their money anyway. And I've definitely had some people walk in and go, oh, hi, how are you today? And I'm like, yeah, it's a bad hair day, but I can help you with your banking. You know? I can still smile and say, hi, look at my shirt, isn't it nice? Instead of feeling down and going, man, I just didn't have enough time to do it. And it just, it's just this bun on my head and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Why do I have to have the genetics that I have? That's not impeccable. Our genetics are a gift. They're part of our talents. They're part of who we are. You know? The pillow's won. Oh, well. There's always tomorrow. You can turn anything from negative to positive when you're trying to live in impeccable. Number two, how do I know if the word is true about me or not? I'm glad you asked again. See, I'm also prophetic. I knew you were going to ask those questions. But anyway, one of the things that I did is I went back to some verses in my Bible, my instruction manual. 
came across Ephesians 4. I was talking earlier. I don't think that I said it was Ephesians, but where it's being impeccable with your word and speaking words, good words, you know. Edifying. If what you think about yourself is not really in alignment with all of the edifying things that the Bible tells us we are, because we're creators and co-creators and in the image of God, then it's something negative. And you can go back and you can look and say, where did I, come, where did I follow that agreement and talk myself into this? Where did I talk myself into? You can't spell, so you're not very smart. So how can you be a writer that's going to have words that will impact people's lives in a good way? And I changed it. And you can do that. And you can even start with this time, if you want to use a scripture. Think about it as impeccable. And since God's intention was for everything to be good, and for us to have that creative power, then that means that that's about you. Or you can do a Tony Robbins book or, you know, Miguel Ruiz or Joyce Myers that has something positive to say and take something from there. If you're having a hard time finding something that you just find about yourself good to say, get a little help. It's okay. Play with it a little bit. Be kind to yourself. Don't take it so hard. And because I had this belief about my math abilities, they're really not that bad. I mean, I can understand if I really want to. When I first started back at the bank again and I had to balance my drawer, if I did not balance that drawer, the rest of my day was destroyed. Because in my mind, how stupid can you be? How hard is it to count the money back, take the money in, and turn it in the computer? You don't even have to do any math. It's counting. So when I started changing that self-talk, and I was short $16,922. And my assistant manager is looking at me, waiting for me to start freaking out. I said, obviously, I didn't give back that much money. That's a lot of money to count back to someone and not realize you counted it back. Not like accidentally giving an extra $100 bill that stuck to the other one. So I said, I must have transposed something. Turned out that I bought money twice, somehow. And the computer doubled it. But I actually went home. Told a few people, they were like, what? You were short how much? A couple of the tellers were like, my one friend teller that was there, she was like, I don't know, honey. I don't know how you're going to... How are you going to make it through tonight? I was like, well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch some TV and I'm going to read and I'm going to relax. And I'm going to hang out with my family. And because I know I did not give out $16,000. But had I had the old belief system of, you know, that would be the first thing I would have thought. I mean, really, I would have been like, wait, hey, somebody had $10,000 today. Okay, then. All right, but how could I do that? Maybe I got it twice. I mean, 
you could go on and on and on and you could destroy your whole reality for that night. And anybody who's ever been a teller knows that sinking feeling. Even if it's five bucks, you're like, oh no. The bank's going to think that I stole it. Because really it's worth going to federal prison for five bucks. (laughs) That's how we twist our reality for... Impeccable word. So now I tell other tellers when they start freaking out about being off. I'm like, oh, really? Come on, man. Hey, remember when I used to do this and that? And now I'm using it and I help others and now it's not so bad. And amazingly, everybody's balancing record at the bank has gone. We see more zeros than we do. Five cents, ten cents, twenty dollars, twenty-five dollars, one hundred could it be what I was speaking from my own impeccable belief and reactions help them? Because I'm the teller supervisor, so they're going to cue off of me. So it's okay to mess up. That's impeccable. Be gentle with yourself. Forgiving of yourself. And it's going to be challenging at first, because it was. It was challenging for me. Because I'm always the person that I would like to criticize and say this, and I didn't like what that person did, and blah, 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 blah. But then I realized I can't, you know, I'm only in charge of me. I can only change what I touch and speak to my reality, and hopefully some of my reality that is positive and impeccable will go into someone else's to help them begin to think about their words and how they treat themselves and how they love others as themselves. So I want to send you out today, starting on that just a little bit. We have some affirmations that we've done the past couple of weeks here that I think are just really powerful and that really speak a lot of who, into who we are, who we're created to be. Image of our divine God. That's pretty awesome in itself. How can you not find anything positive? Right? Really, all you have to do is say, I'm created in the image of God. Start right there. So if you'll all stand, and we have the affirmations up here, if you'll repeat them along with me, we'll get started on this impeccable word and changing our realities. Here we go. I am a child of the divine. I love myself. I am imperfect, and I love myself. I am a good receiver. I love myself. I am worthy. I love myself. I am a powerful person. I love myself. My relationships reflect my heart's desires. I love myself. There is enough for me. I love myself. I am safe. I love myself. I am moving towards perfection in a quick and harmonious way. I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. I love myself. I express myself freely. Fully and easily. I love myself. 
I am powerful, loving, and creative. I love myself. I am a loving co-creator with the Lord. I love myself. You are smart. You are kind. You are important. You guys have a great day. Thank you for letting me share.